Hi, I'm Jane Hollywood, a partner in the patents team at CMS. In today's episode, I'm talking to Ruth Farham, co-founder and chief scientific officer of Higher Stakes, about building a purpose-driven novel food startup, ensuring sustainability at every stage of the process and the way cell therapy research is having a wider impact across multiple industries. It's a pleasure to have you here, Ruth. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me. Right. OK, then, Ruth. Um, so uh, we can see increasingly high demand for more sustainable practices across all areas of the market, from the products we buy, the clothes we wear, and importantly, the foods that we consume. Could you provide us with an overview of the mission behind Higher Stakes and how the company was established? Yeah, so Higher Stakes was established with a focus on health. Healthy living and well-being are core contributors to sustainability as a whole, which means that we must constantly assess and reduce environmental impact of what we choose to do or eat. So cultivated meat as a whole will reduce the quantity of traditional meat sold, but will also have a positive impact on so many other environmental areas. So we'll reduce greenhouse gas emissions, we'll reduce intensive pig farming, and in turn we'll reduce the risks of antibiotic resistance. So higher stakes is focused on pork because pork is the most widely eaten food in the world. So from the start, we'll have the biggest impact. And perhaps it's useful if I give a bit of an overview of exactly what we do. Um, so we take a cell sample from a pig and grow the cells in huge numbers. We then turn those cells into muscle and fat that you would find in traditional meat. So we have a, a, a growing team of stem cell scientists, bioprocess engineers, food scientists who all work together to turn those cells into the great pork product that will soon reach the supermarkets in your tables. Excellent. Um, and uh, as you say, uh, High Stakes is, is by its very nature a company that's heavily focused on sustainability. Um, but to what extent does this also shape your processes and decision making on a day to day basis? So most people working at higher stakes joined because of the impacts we have on sustainability. So day to day, we instill a company mindset, which is core to our culture and values. Um, this runs through the people we have. So the mindset, the attitude, but also the technical aspects of what we do. So on the technical side, we're constantly assessing sustainability. So to give some examples, we'll look at the impact from a process. Are we using the most appropriate raw materials? Is the energy consumption consideration something that we really have to keep an eye on? And how do we control things during the process, such as waste disposal? So we are still a fairly young company, but we're already focusing on, on aspects such as supply chain, sourcing. How can we continuously improve our process? Do we recycle and reduce? Um, do we What do we need to consider when it comes to supply chain and, and, and shipping? So day, day to day, we're assessing our process. And as I say, this is instilled in the company mindset. So we all realise that we've got a whole development cycle going on in absolutely everything we do. And we're constantly trying to move forward with new technology. Thanks, Ruth. You provided some um, really interesting insight into how you have developed sustainable processes. Um, although clearly the technology that Higher Stakes is developing is groundbreaking, um, some of the aspects of your production process um, with the, the culturing of the cells and the growing the cells uh, are shared with more traditional industries, such as the 
brewing and fermentation steps. Um, can you tell us a little about your collaborations with more traditional industries um, and the positive impact this has had on higher stakes? Yeah, of course. So many other industries, as you mentioned, use vessels that are called bioreactors. And within a bioreactor, a biological process takes place. And this can range from fermentation, where they make beer, to bioreactors that grow other, other um, mammalian cells for antibody production. So as a whole, it's an incredibly diverse technology which spans many different fields, but each have varying degrees of control. So cellular agriculture, which is the, the key area that cultivated meat falls within, learns from various aspects of these industries, but we're very different. So we use the bioreactors to grow different types of animal cells that has actually never been done before at the scale we require or in the same context to create a food product. So as a result, we have to take a very different approach and we have to look at different aspects such as cost and the, and the health of the cells, which is hugely important. Also, our cells are the product itself. So we're not taking a byproduct, for instance, the beer or the antibodies that are secreted by cells, our cells become, become the meat. So how we approach the technology, the technical aspects of that are very different. I'll give a, an example with cell therapy. So within cell therapy, they would want to grow similar cells to ours. Um, they'll grow a patient's stem cells. And although they haven't yet required the scale that we have, they are taking that approach now in order to move into another um, level of development to, to scale it the way we are. So there's a huge synergy there. And actually, I find that they they have, um, there's been a lot of communication between the two fields, particularly around cost. Cost is the main focus because no one wants to pay a million dollars for <laughs> a piece of pork. Um, so obviously the, um, the approach we're taking will really help them and vice versa. Thanks, Ruth. It's really fascinating. Um, and now um, with my next question, I wanted to have a slight change of focus, um, moving more towards the, the people aspect of higher stakes as a company. Um, when leading a mission driven business, how do you make sure you hire the right people and, and find the balance between the, the technical expertise that you need whilst also maintaining the culture and value of the company? This is a really interesting question, actually, and it's something that higher stakes takes very seriously. So in our view, culture and values is equally, if not more important than the technical skill set. Um, just to give an example, you can have an exceptional technical scientist, but in a personality level, level they can be quite disruptive, which can really negative impact the company dynamics. Um, so a good culture fit is absolutely paramount. Um, and also we have found that if the culture fit is right, the technical skills could be moved within the company so to make the person fit in, in the right way where they're most comfortable technically. So there's a lot more flexibility there. Um, we use a tiered recruitment process um, to give candidates the opportunity to meet people within the company from all divisions. So whether it be science, the people team, the leadership team, all levels, and this allows a really thorough assessment in both directions, both for us as of the candidate and the candidate of us. Um, and we we do ask at the end of the recruitment process for feedback from the candidates. And they always 
suggest that the approach we're taking is actually appreciated. And I think one of the things worth mentioning is um, the challenge in, in the interview process. Removing bias from interviewing can be very difficult. Um, and also, as we grow, the communication of the company um, inevitably changes. So we're, we're constantly trying to make sure that we share information in the right way and that voices are heard as well. Um, and going back to the culture, we have core um, values that we, we want to adhere to. Um, we always allow candidate growth, whether that be horizontal or vertical within the company. Um, we encourage, you know, creativity. We want excellence, but creativity and innovation have to be there. Being a positive and caring company as well. It speaks volumes when you can see a happy culture. Everybody's getting along. It's like a big friendship. Um, but equally, um, we encourage diversity and ideas. We're an idea generator. So we, we hold that as one of the core, core values. Thank you. And it's obviously all, all going very well, as as, uh, as you were saying earlier, with the, um, the growth of higher stakes um, at the moment. At Lead Hers was established in response to the findings of the Rose Review to support underrepresented founders, um, particularly as they're scaling their businesses. As a scientist in a high growth tech space, uh, what resources have you found most useful, uh, particularly as you pivoted from academia to startup? The Higher Stakes has two female founders. So there's myself and my co-founder, Benjamina Bollock. From the very start, the resources that we've had have been absolutely paramount to our growth. Um, we've had a lot of investor support, networking. We talk to a lot of other people within the industry and beyond. We have a lot of cross-disciplinary conversations and recognize that many other biotech early companies, not necessarily within the same field, but we're all there to support each other and the growth. And equally, we've had a lot of very good support from advisors who have been there. They've had a startup themselves. They know the difficult difficulties that can arise when growing a, a company and equally any biases that we might face. Um, going from academia to startup, to be honest, in the technical side, not that different at all. So, you know, you have an idea, you have a concept, you have to fundraise, whether that be through a, a grant or um, in, in biotech through a, a VC, for instance. Um, and then, you you know, you, you do the experiments, you get a proof of concept, you get the data and then you raise more money and grow from there. I think for me, the most difficult thing was the business mindset, which you do not get in academia. Um, you know, learning about manufacturing, learning about scale, learning about finance. And that's where I have the, the biggest learnings. Knowing where you can find resources from the very beginning as well can be difficult. So any advice I would give would be to make sure you surround yourself by strong networks within a similar field so that you, you can constantly check in, get advice as you grow. Thanks, Ruth. Um, I'm sure your experiences resonate with a lot of people listening. Um, as a final question, um, as part of the CMS Equip at Lead Hers initiative, uh, we're encouraging everyone to commit to one positive action, uh, big or small, to support underrepresented founders this year. Uh, what positive action will you take this year uh, to support founders of women in STEM who are also looking to launch a career uh, in a startup? 
So outreach has always been a huge importance to me. Um, I've I've always wanted to take part in in communication and forums, whether that be in universities, at conferences, or with competitions. Um, I'll give an example. Recently, I was on a panel for a competition where young entrepreneurs could win a substantial sum of money to get their idea off the ground. Um, and from that experience, I actually had three of the five early founders contact me for advice to discuss challenges that they were having at the time. So it made me realise that visibility is a huge contribution for others. Um, so I pledged to be more visible and open so that even if it's just, you know, to discuss a common theme or a challenge within the startup world, my door's always open. Thanks, Ruth. That's uh, that's very positive and inspirational. Um well, thank you, Ruth, uh, from Higher Stakes for joining us today. Uh, if you would like more information on Higher Stakes, uh, then you can find out more at higherstakes.com. And if you would like to hear more about CMS's startup programme, Equip, or the Lead Hers initiative, go to the startup section of cms.law. Thank you. Thank you.